the buttons are on. I'm, don't and, uh, freak me out. Uh, you gotta say cheese or smile or something before you do this. That's Fromage. Fair. You got. Oh no, you didn't get my armpit. You actually got my Star Trek tattoo, so you're fine. Yes. <laughs> Wait, do you have a Star Trek? Keep it thing yeah. too. Actually, speaking of King Lear, yeah. Um, it's Vulcan calligraphy, and it says context is for kings, which is a quote from King Lear and also a Star Trek episode. Ah. Nerd. What? <laughs> no. Nerd. Nerd. Which is One perfect of us. because... One of us. <laughs> <laughs> I think we only allow nerds on our show, which is fine. Fair. But, but you can be a nerd about anything. You can be a nerd about Star Trek or candles or Lego or shoes. I don't care what you're a nerd about. Nope. Oh, I would love to see somebody review all of the fucking shoes in Star Trek. So yeah, deal. Do it. <laughs> I I I want some of the lower deck <laughs> shoes. Like those boots and lower decks look super comfy. Fun fact, actually, speaking of Star Trek shoes, um, I the minute that I saw them in like all the running scenes on Disco, I immediately like went out and looked up the Nikes that they ran with um, because they were actually really cheap. They were like a discounted like these are terrible shoes shoes. So I bought them naturally. Um, But they're also very clearly the basis that they sew into the boots because it's the same sole. Uh, And so technically you can buy these terrible Nikes and you, too, can have the lower decks boots because it is the same sole. So and totally. (laughs) That's costume cool. hack. Interesting. Uh, Good to know. Yeah. That's our that's hack. our cosplay tip. Oh yeah. There we go. Oh wait, are we recording? Shoot. Yeah, we've been oh. recording. So this you're is all. Out, you're giving away all your secrets now. Oh, we like well, to drop fine. in without warning. Next time on <laughs> the Melinda's corner. What? Cosplay no. tips. Don't give me a corner. <laughs> I know. Idea. Um, I know. Welcome to the Nerd Trick Podcast, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, we're here. We're here. What's up? Um, I'm Jeff. I'm here with David. Hey guys. And Phil. Phil. Happy election Happy eve, everybody. Oof. Yes, we are. Eve. We are recording this on election eve, so we're all still intact. No one, the world has not burned yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know. I don't fucking know anymore. I I, I was gonna drink during this to kind of keep it loose, but then I was like, if I start drinking now, you're just not gonna stop until I won't it's stop. It's just gonna days. end tomorrow at <laughs> midnight. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, roll no, all the way fair. through election coverage. I get that. That being yeah. like, podcast during a riot, right? No. <laughs> that being said, though, I I will say I did wake up this morning with like existential dread and like I've been experiencing depression and I was like, oh man, I gotta watch some Star Trek. I don't know if I'm up for it right now because like I'm so sad. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna palate cleanse with like the most recent episode of Disco and then I'm gonna like jump into some TNG. And like three minutes in, I was like sobbing so happy and I was just like. Stop! Trek makes everything better, you guys. Like Aww. so, it's a cleansing. <laughs> it is That's a true, cleansing. It does. So it if is. you are listening at home, Star Trek, y'all. <laughs> Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's um, blues. But it's true though, because I, I mean, you know, I, well, actually, sorry. Um, if if you don't remember, uh, from from her her voice, uh, welcome back, uh, Miss Miss Melinda. Thank you for oh joining goodness. us. Again. Hi, hi, it's Melinda. It's, it's howdy, Melinda. howdy. <laughs> yeah, you came on. Uh, you Wrath may of recall Khan. me from such rants as Wrath of Khan. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> we, we, we basically wanted to have you back on. Comeback is wonderful. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> of course. No, Ash, and the, just just the fact that you were going to dig into David for hating Wrath of Khan, I was like, well, we have to have her back. Say, now. Thank you for coming back after I shat all over your favorite Star <laughs> Trek movie. I, that's fine. <laughs> I hi. 
this might come as a surprise to you, a fellow nerd, but a lot of people have made fun of me for liking this movie for a very long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's uh, fine. Everything's good, fine. Good company. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. No, we're excited to to have you back. Um, we had Harley on. Oh, so because uh, you know Harley, we've had her on twice already. Harley um, is one of my besties. Yeah, and oh she's been fantastic. Of course. So she actually, so so lovely. So thank you for that referral. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, um, she has also decided to twice punish herself on our podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Te- technically four times because she's on for four episodes. It's true. Oh, oh yeah, that two parters. True. Yeah, that's right. Nice. Uh, yeah. So no. So so um, how have you been? I I I know we're going from Star Trek uh, Wrath of Khan. Now we're doing TNG season one. Um. Oh my goodness. I know. It's yeah, no, I'm I'm actually really excited about this because I think that it's a truth universally acknowledged that every first season of Star Trek is bad. It has its like ups and its downs, and we love it for its ups and its downs. But yeah. you know, yeah. Um so I don't well, really feel one. bad about saying that, but this is an iconic episode for season one like season one much like you know like the original like uh uh, tos has some like truly iconic episodes um and i hate to say it but like it's always like their horniest episode that's like when the series really ramps up Um, (laughs) it's true it's true and like this is their the start of their horny episodes and so like you know and it's like iconic for the way that they really start to dig into a uh ai and so, like, it's fun. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. uh, this this set the standard for so much of Star Trek to come uh, in that way. So, yeah. It definitely did for the holodeck on this one. Like, Absolutely. I was kind of excited yeah. to see that. I was like, oh, they're starting holodeck rules and how this works and everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's mystifying and just, like, wonderful to them. Every little right. bit uh-huh. is just, like, watching actors play again. And for, like, actors who we're of a certain age that you don't necessarily traditionally see on like television now. Like it's been a long time since they've gotten to do kind of like one Oh one stuff like this. And it's really cool to get to see them like literally like play on camera. That's yeah, true. It's a lot of fun. And it lays really good groundwork for future seasons when we get some great holodeck based episodes. And yeah. this is kind of like just that little tip of the iceberg introduction to the holodeck. It's, it's really good. Oh, yeah. it's great. And I also think it's a really good, it's like a subtle but a really good introduction to kind of who Bev is as a character because yeah. this whole episode is kind of like low-key how Bev Crusher got her groove back. Um, <laughs> it <laughs> is. So like, You're I don't not know. wrong. Like, yeah. Oh, that that tracks. So, that totally tracks. Yeah. 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 Like, I think we always remember it as like a Dixon Hill episode because it's Picard and his weird boner for noir. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it's definitely a really strong Bev episode as well. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if you haven't guessed, we're doing the episode "The Big Goodbye," Goodbye. Uh, season one, episode eleven, original air date January 9th, nineteen eighty eight. Uh, yeah, so this is the first kind of you know problems with the holodeck, um, and it's it's when I was watching this, I didn't realize too is like you know because but 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 uh, by the time we get to like ds9 voyager you're like oh the holodeck's old you know like that's just normal stuff but like in this one they're like no this is still a brand new technology like they're just they're so enamored with it like 
you know, oh, I can touch things, and she kissed me, and I got hit, and you're just like they're they're so into it. Um, yeah, the only time we've seen the holodeck before this, I think, is in the animated series, right? When they have that um, one where they like get it was stuck in Farpoint. We, we see it in Farpoint when oh, yeah. uh, when when uh, Wesley falls into the lake and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's right. still yeah. very Tron though in in that kind of way. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. it yeah. is. But yeah, well, I guess it, it depends if you consider the animated series canon or not. But I guess there is kind of a holodeck on the animated series. I don't know if it's canon or not, but it's bullshit. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and that one, they're able to walk a certain distance. Damn. And find the Here's the thing. It's oh, only sorry. canon if Lower Decks is canon because they have the cat people race. And so, yes. like, since that's the connective tissue yeah, there. It kind of, it kind of <laughs> locks it in there. Suckers. It's canon, yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Lower Decks a lot of stuff that people didn't want to think about from the animated series. That's good for them. Yeah, they're just like force us to look at our own warts. It's important. <laughs> hey, if it has a Star Trek in the title, then it's it's canon as far as I'm concerned. Or are people now going to split between the live action Star Trek and the animated Star Treks because Lower Decks was animated as well? Oh, they probably will because people like are it's dicks. a separate universe. People are going <laughs> to define it however they want to because people are going to define it however they want to. It's, True. Yeah. Everyone's got a thing. Canon is relative when there's so much content. That's, that's, true. that's true especially now 700 and close to 800 episodes of star trek plus the movies plus yeah it's, yeah over 30 years of star trek <laughs> like, just, you know ugh. yeah 50 years oh oh you mean total of like yeah hours right. and everything jesus yeah. that's a lot oh wow i didn't realize yeah mm-hmm. um good so have you uh <laughs> god when did it feels like so long ago that we had you on for wrath of but it really hasn't been that long it just it seems like i think like 2020 time Relative. like everything seems long everything is slowly spiraling into a void no i get that yeah <laughs> um have you watched more star trek or did did you enjoy lower decks oh i absolutely enjoyed lower decks i i love all star trek though um yeah. like that's kind of my thing is that I, I truly believe that, again, with this much under our belts and with the fact that television itself is always going to constantly have to change, um, you know, even down to, like, costuming and makeup and stuff like that, like, things are always going to have to change. They're going to bring on new artists, you know, like, um, Star Trek is now a sandbox, and I love seeing what people want to do in that sandbox, and I will always appreciate a good Chief O'Brien joke. And like, <laughs> like one selling point, yeah. it is that was the best. Chef's Kiss, one of the most one. immaculate Chief O'Brien jokes I have ever heard. Um, the statue is great, Chief O'Brien. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I, yeah, so like you know, you you find nuggets of gold in all of it. So absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right on. That's good. Ha- yeah. Has it brought you? Cause like you said, it's kind of this cleansing thing from all the other bullshit going on in the world is, has, has it been a good like emotional support for you? I mean, I think lower decks was kind of just like a nice distraction. Like disco is my, like, I want to feel good about the future. Oh my God. Like just like oh, yeah. weeping in my living room at nine o'clock in the morning. Except for this <laughs> season of disco. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's yeah. Um, again, you go to different, you know, shows for different things. That's true. I get that vibe. I mean, like TNG is always going to be my comfort zone. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, th- this is the show I watched as a kid. So I'm like, I'm going to go watch this one. Like that's TNG for me. Yeah, I get that. That's TOS for me in a lot of ways. Uh, um, and I will say kind of like 
the different seasons of Buffy. Like, I treat mm. Voyager as, like, a different season of Buffy. It's like, sometimes I want to watch season one, or sometimes I want to watch season six. <laughs> God, I haven't watched Buffy in a long time. I think first, since it first came out. Oh, wow. True. Um, but also, like, kind of getting back to the, long, uh, the Big Goodbye, like, this is kind of one of those episodes that would define how TNG would do the holodeck. Again, like, this is, yeah. you know... Um, it wasn't just a first, it was like a first that they really stuck with for a really long time because they yeah, kind of yeah. nailed it on the first try uh, um, yeah. in that weird way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think this kind of set the tone for it and I think they did a really good, I'm I'm definitely appreciating more of season one now once we get into it. Again, we're, we're moving these characters away from like, I, I don't like uh, Picard as like the angry guy that he's in like the first couple episodes like he's moving again towards the like kind of nuanced you know he likes shakespeare he likes old you know detective noir stories and he's he's his his character's building and i love it but and and it's great in this one too because yeah we get beverly we get kind of data is like he changes his personality a bit which then kind of leads to sherlock like yeah (laughs) oh yeah because like as soon as he starts to imitated sherlock yeah yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, you start to get these character developments and, and it's great. Um, so it's kind of the plot for this one, the big goodbye. Um, and, and what I like too, is that they're, they're slowly moving away from again, the, uh, like other a plot, a B plot thing. And I, I, I don't like that. Um, this one kind of has that. So the, the main plot is they're on this way to this, this, uh, alien species who I guess gets pissed off if you miss, pronounce stuff the most idiosyncratic i believe was the word they used yeah (laughs) whatever um so picard is like you know stressed trying to figure out how to say their or to speak their language because they're like a bug species and then of course to go relax he has his his uh dixon hill san francisco 1920s kind of you know uh it was a cold night it was so cold and dark that they couldn't yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that kind of so like, and and this is a and this is a plot or a a story that kind of you know even goes through you know first contact, uh, a Dixon Hill uh, pops up, um, but of course so they're so he's in the holodeck. They get scanned by these aliens. It breaks the holodeck, and now they're stuck there. Of course, um, so of course it breaks the holodeck. Yeah, so it's I was the first ask, one of this. First contact being one of the few movies I've seen. This is the program that he fires up where he takes off the security protocols and shoots a bunch of Borg. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. I yeah. thought it looked familiar, and I was like, I couldn't tell if it was the same 1941 setup or whatever. Oh yeah. Or is it for? Yeah. It's, so yeah, it it's the same story. Yeah. He and, and he says AD. I like how he's yeah. Oh yeah, AD. <laughs> um. Yeah, and it's funny. I I think they do a couple more Dixon Hill ones. I, I know there's one with Guinan where he like he's like, oh come on, and like he tries to get Dixon her Hill into it. Is holodeck royalty? Like he's up there with like Moriarty. Like. Oh, yeah. yeah, like that's kind of that. Oh dear. Ooh, someone's Postmates is here. No, it's not. <laughs> it's worse. It's just that my messenger will always push text messages through, and I don't know how to turn it off. Um, uh, sorry. That's okay. that's okay. Please, please. I again, like between David's ice, me chewing on something. I we have no standards here. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Jeff. I never make any noise. Never. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the plot of this one, but I think because it's the first one and I, and going back and watching it, I like the way that they did this. It wasn't, 
like there was still some weird stuff that I was kind of nitpicky on. Um, but I really enjoyed this episode. It was just a lot of fun. And, and again, like you said, they're so enamored with the holodeck and he's like, Oh, there's cars. And, and you know, the way he's trying to, to, to describe a city block. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, I, saw, so I saw an automobile. <laughs> yeah, It's so it much funny. Fun. I was like, cause we have a VR obviously now, and most people have yeah. tried it or had some kind of concept of it. So we definitely wouldn't sit around a holodeck and be like, oh my gosh, there was a city block outside and cars. We'd be like, yeah, they programmed uh-huh. a street. Like, well, <laughs> But again, this was 1987, 88, and that was not even a thing. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Until we get inside, then we'd be like, oh my God, I can touch things. And like, it'd be That's a whole thing. Said. The equivalency of them going back said. in time to like, or like if we were to go back in time to like ancient Rome, like yeah. we also have to keep that context in mind, which is that like, if we were to go out and kind of like look around and stuff, like it wouldn't look like a video game. Like it would look fucking real, which is, yeah. you know, like, and That's again, true. I wouldn't know what to call a city block in ancient Rome. I'd probably be being hauled off to be sold as a slave at that point in time. Wouldn't have the yeah. time to make that connection. Um, but yeah. They're like, it's a witch. <laughs> witch. A woman who can do things. Witch. um but yeah i mean this was just a good fun one i i i remember this as a kid too because i remember because obviously you know he gets trapped in in and he deals with all the holodeck stuff but i think and so this is my brain again being very nitpicky is like he walks out and like there's lipstick still on his mouth and i'm like the lipstick should evaporate because it's like hologram yeah and i know that's super stupid i shouldn't care about that but i do well, when it, the two guys walk out too, and it takes a while for them to start deteriorating, I was like, eh, like you'd probably hit the threshold of the door, and then there wouldn't be any emitters. Oh my god! Okay. you'd have a problem. So the lipstick, I'm fine with because and like, the. Yeah. Shit. Sorry. Hold on. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna tell this person to stop texting me because it's, I, I feel like do not disturb. No. Um. So yeah, the lipstick I'm okay with because. I feel like we've had this conversation before. The The holodeck uses replicator technology for some things. So you can eat, like, food on the holodeck and whatnot, and mm. it's not going to disappear from your stomach. So, okay. So for that kind of thing, for, like, the lipstick and stuff, I'm okay with that because I could see, okay, the, the lipstick itself wasn't holodeck. It was replicated. So when she kissed him, it transferred over, and it's, it's permanent because it's using the replicator technology. But, yeah, w- when the guys walked off the holodeck, they should have instantly vanished. And that's typically what's, what will happen in future episodes on TNG, DS9. Anytime you throw something like out the holodeck door, yeah. it just goes thump. Because well, there's Voyager no emitters too. there to hold it. Yeah, there's no emitters yeah. there to hold it in place. And they yeah, deal with that once... with the doctor a lot, right? Like yeah. he has to stay in the yeah, bay he... because that's where the emitters are. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, if we're going to talk about that moment, because I, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I have so many... Both of these like moments that you guys have been talking about, I'm just like, ah, oh, like the character moments of this is so fucking incredible. Um, just because, like, I don't know, just that whole conversation. That I love. I should preface this. I love stories about AI and androids. This is like my private sci-fi passion. So, like, okay. I uh, so naturally I'm drawn to the character of Data. And when I was going through this episode, um at a time where we're just kind of coming off of like all of this Asimov kind of like work and where, you know, like the idea for data was getting kind of like put in here, the whole back half of this episode 
is something that I don't think that we talk about nearly enough, unless it's Moriarty, which is them like having to explain so nonchalantly to all of these beings who are asking them questions like, will my wife and kids be waiting for me when you fucking leave? And you're like, oh, Those ethical conundrums, yeah. Yeah, and like, you have this, this computer character that pops out of this world and the first thing he says is a whole new world to plunder. This is a mob <laughs> guy. Like, <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> and so like, there's, there's just something so sinister about like, again, like the ability to like leave and how you have to immediately terminate them because the minute that they have kind of transcended that like David 8 level, like, oh, you guys are nothing because we're computers. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of wild. And it's something that like constantly comes up in the holodeck. And so I kind of really love that like no, nobody's, what's his name? Cypress, Cyrus Redblock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Here's nobody mob guy who is like already he has like two seconds of freedom and is immediately like, I'm going to dominate this whole world. Yeah. And then as he vanishes, he's like, don't you know who I am? Exactly. They can't do this to me. Don't they know who I am? (laughs) Yeah. Don't they know that I'm a computer? Like I just, you know, But isn't that interesting? I'm a projection of light and photons. Don't you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> but isn't it interesting though too? Is that they always try to like rationalize and explain to these these holograms? Because even in in like Voyager, with the whole little Irish town one, they try to explain yeah. like, well, you're really computer. Sorry, we just use you to like you know have, have sexy time with and kill fun. you. Yeah. But they always try to rationalize. I'm like, why do you do that? Well, and it's well, really, this, really yeah. In this case, they have to because. They shoot yeah. the guy and it and the security protocols have been disabled or whatever by the scan, so they have no choice. They have to reason with them because they can hurt them. Otherwise, yeah, they'd just be like, eh, forget you and let them shoot at them and act like Superman with bullets bouncing off them or whatever happens. I don't <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's what makes this this episode really, really interesting, I think, is is because again, if we're talking about like season one, it, it's the same way where again, like every season one is bad, but we go back and we find these nuggets. Um yeah. Like, this is truly one of these kind of, like, nugget episodes because at its heart, it's a mediocre detective story. Like, like I, you know, let's be real. Like, at its heart, yeah. like, it was one of the writers who, like, didn't make it back to season two. I think it was okay. <laughs> um, well, I, th- I think they try and crank up the noir aspect to, like, 12. Yeah. 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 So, like, this is really, really interesting just kind of in that capacity of they – it really sets up in that same way where like we see Picard and like the way that he kind of bristles around kids, but it's so extreme in season one. Mm-hmm. I think that we forget the crazy amount of xenophobia that goes into AI, um, yeah. which is why I love that they really yeah. put that back in Picard because it really is the heart in many ways of TNG. Like if we had to pick the most consistent storyline, I would say throughout it's this notion of, what is data and how dangerous is he at any one point in time? Um, True. Yeah. And I so mean, cause like, he's, yeah. Yeah. To have data there and like, kind of like jolting around his piano being like, look at me. I can memorize all these books. I can do all this stuff. I can, you know, look at me. It's really funny when I say the words kind of like this, you know, and <laughs> you know, by the end of it, essentially, and again, like the thing that really caught me up off guard about this watch was how absolutely nonchalant Picard is when he's talking to these things. Cause you're right. They do try to rationalize it later and they're more empathetic about it. And there is, no empathy like even in that line at the end it's literally like i don't know and then he just walks out like i have no idea what a a mic drop 
He's like, like, sorry. Three seconds now, you're going to exist or not. Okay, bye. Like, you can't. (laughs) 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 What what a way to leave the room. And again, like, this is beloved Picard. And so this is season one Picard in the way that he deals with AI. And then think about how we get to, for those of you who have seen it, you know, when we get to Nemesis. And then, again, it's the point in many ways of Star Trek Picard which is we keep encountering all of this artificial life, you know, be it by our creation or not, but we are constantly terrified of it. Like it is the number one big bad in Star Trek, which is our computers are smarter than us. And take over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So newbie question, is there any time in Star Trek where we actually do see someone get shot or hurt while the security protocols are on? And what does it look like? We've watched this one. Oh, when they're oh, on. Because he gets shot and he's on. bleeding like he was actually gotcha. shot. Does it bounce off them like Superman? Do they absorb it? Do they? Does it hurt them but it doesn't kill them? What's the, how, how does that work? This is like one of those questions like do they wear the same type of boots for a really long time? Um, we're like, I'm trying to I think of all the time somebody gets shot on the holodeck. Yeah. Or stabbed or hurt or something. I don't think anything like happens. Anything. I think it just like, like okay, so let's let's take shooting a gun a, as an example. I don't think like a bullet actually comes out and you see anything. It just like it goes yeah. off like it's like shooting a blank. Yeah. I think. It's either like shooting a blank or I think sometimes it's lasers. I can't recall. Uh, and the lasers just go like and like just kind of you know absorb into them. Or I'm thinking I'm combining all Star Treks and it's just all <laughs> one big Star Trek stew now. That's a large possibility. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can't I think of any other examples. Like, I think every time I've ever seen someone get shot, and I have limited viewing experience, obviously, but every time I've seen them get shot, the safety protocols are off and they actually get shot. Yeah. So I would assume that a bullet Stabbed. does come out of the gun normally because when you take off the safety protocols, it just makes that bullet hurt. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those things but, like, does Constantine ever change his tie or does it just get so burned? <laughs> like, the answer is maybe. Was it full of the same stuff? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I, I, it's in my brain. I can't tell you one way or the other. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if we've seen it in an episode, but in the technical manual, it says that with the safeties on, so if somebody was shooting a gun, they would still get the kickback and everything from the gun, but the projectile just wouldn't it would not go through them but it wouldn't be a physical object invisible like it, like it wouldn't have yeah like it, wouldn't have density. it wouldn't have density to it so would yeah, it okay. go through them and out the other side um it looks it like from the it looks like from the thing here like once it hits you that light beam would just disperse and yeah. go away mm-hmm. so. or uh paintball gravity paintball that's what i'm imagining yeah and okay. just no splat yeah Okay, well, then my next question is, why do you have safety protocols at all? Just don't turn them off. Like, why can you do that? I I don't know. It's the Borger chasing you and you need a Tommy gun. Everybody turns them on. Yeah. I assume it's like a technical thing, kind of like Jurassic Park, where like you have to turn some things off in order to fix it or like reboot it. Or because like, keep in mind that the reason why this hiccup happened after like basically like an update, like if you update your iTunes and suddenly your computer grows legs, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's a problem. Like, well, why is that well, even an option? I actually do have a very uh, logical reason for that because they use it for training. So, say you have them fighting a person, you want those punches to land, and you'd probably turn off the safety yeah, protocols while does, you're doing does a, that a couple of times. Smart. And that's yeah, how you learn how to actually you... fight. Otherwise, you're fighting with training wheels all the time, and you never learn to take a punch. Okay, but why does there have to be a death mode? Why can't there be like? Well, 
like like playing a it video game like, like on call of duty there's either <laughs> I, I i can take 20 bullets or i can take one bullet why isn't there not like a scale the entire TNG bridge crew like were fascinated by the idea of moving a lamp in this. I don't think that they've thought that through. Yeah. I love Data's look. He's like he couldn't figure out how the light got turned back on. Mm-hmm. No, and they were like, "What's this strange pronged object?" Like literally, like I, if the hubris of man has taught us anything, they did not think that update through. <laughs> Or like when, so I, I do like uh crusher's kind of story in this. Like she's very out of her element. She doesn't know how to like put on, you know, uh, 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 tights and like, doesn't know how to use a compact. And then she swallows the gum, which was great. That yeah. was fucking hilarious. That was so good acting too. I see that as like, again, like going back in time and having no idea what any of these fucking things are. Yeah. Cause like, this is also, when it comes time for costumes, I have a whole rant about the costumes in this. Because for starters, the first like minute and a half is just dunking on the TNG uniforms. Season one. Oh, because he, he lost a bet to be like a... Um, yeah. And it's just like literally yeah. being like, dude, your suit fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like that, the way they have the people inside the holodeck react to stuff that should make them go like, what the fuck? Instead, yeah. they just kind of brush it off. It's like, did you lose a bet? What happened? Why do you look like a bellboy? Yeah. Like... You know, mm-hmm. are you in your pajamas kind of a thing. Fine, but I yeah. was like, that's perfect. It's it's truly wonderful. Again, it's it's decadently innocent is kind of what the whole episode is, which is why I think it stands out so much when like, because like that first, oh man, I couldn't get over how horny on the main that bridge meeting was where he was just kind of like talking about like, oh, and it's so great. And I had all these real feelings. And then, and then you just see like Bev going up and being like, yeah, it was really fun. Right. It was really hot, huh? <laughs> it was exciting. And he's like, real, it was real. Well, it's too, yeah. because when, when she comes on and there's that very intimate moment with them yeah. and then, and then he's like, oh, let's go see my office. And then data's like, Hey, can I come too? And, and they're like, Oh, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, fine. Putting on makeup. She's learning the thing. She's getting hit on by a cop. She's figuring out how to raise her skirt, and then it's like, oh, that's a prostitute. Like this is them getting her groove back, which is incredible. And like, yeah, they're about to go to that office and can bang. It's great. Um, hey, your boss, I want a gander. <laughs> what I like too, though, is that as soon as the the guy gets shot and is injured, she jumps. She's like, I'm a doctor. She's like totally yeah. back in her element, and, yeah, and she's on top of it. Fun. And like, that's the thing is. <laughs> Again, what I absolutely love about this, even in its most innocent forms, is that like they were going to use all this stuff just to fuck. Like that's the point. I hate to say it. Oh, like, it is. And so, like, kind of. I mean, even all the way down to you know, like, you know, oh, you know, I've got a girl at home. Her name is Enterprise. And like, even that NPC's response is like, yeah, she sounds like a real slut, dude. Like, it's weird. <laughs> 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 like, well, it's I know. Really I know Orville touches on this. Do they ever kind of deal with like the ethics of the holodeck while in a relationship? Like some people obviously would consider it cheating to go sleep with the non the fake woman on the holodeck, but I don't know if do they ever deal with that in any of the series? I don't kind of mm-hmm. going to be a y'all question. The only one I can think of is when uh, Jordy creates Dr. Le- Leia Brahms because he's trying yeah. to solve a problem or something. Yeah. But then he kind of falls in love with uh, her. And then they, they fall in love well, with Barkley does that too yeah. when he recreates like Deanna Troy as like the goddess of the earth or whatever she is in her big old flowy low cut gown. Yeah. yeah. See, I can and, see that one being a problem because you're imitating a real person. Well, Jordy did like, too. 
Leah Brahms yeah. was a real person. Like, yeah, no, I guess. True. And we get some nice payoff a couple of seasons like later when she shows up. Politely doesn't check each other's browser history, you know? Like, <laughs> like can you put this in incognito mode, please? Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I guess they, it depends if you ask. consider like watching porn while you're in a relationship. Is that cheating? Well, but obviously, this would be a different level, and there's a whole other thing to it. Yeah, and if it's a real it, person it, or like, not, like. There's a lot of ethical dilemmas that come you along with Holodeck Tech. There's of ethical dilemmas on this one, but I don't know if that's like the loop you guys want the podcast to take. Oh, I, I was just curious if they I ever touch on it. They just, they just call the Holodeck cleanup crew and just walk out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like in uh, Lower Decks when, when Mariner has to go clean it out. Like that is, it, yeah. it goes somewhere, man. <laughs> well, and they, they do it in Orville when the, I forget what his name is, the big brown dude is in a relationship, but he keeps going in there for like orgies with his other people. And it becomes, yeah, it's like a porn addiction episode. And it was a great episode, but it was like, oh, yeah, I never really thought about that being an issue or a quandary at this point. Well, in many ways, this episode is kind of showing, like, not video game addiction, because, like, mm, (laughs) um, but, like, it does kind of Sexy video games. Well, no. And if you try to replace that with reality. Responsibilities to kind of get lost in another world. And, you know, like, video games can do that. Fan fiction can do that. I mean, like, this is, in many ways, you know, Dixon Hill is LARPing for guys who have a favorite war. Like, <laughs> LARPing, yep. <laughs> yeah, the holodeck is kind of just the ultimate LARPing, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, again, like, in, in the case, like, uh, some of my favorite holodeck stuff is with Janeway. Um, and I know you guys yeah. haven't gotten there yet. But, you know, Janeway basically without giving like too much away like her favorite holodeck sequences are like her in like a jane Eyre kind of situation which is really i've seen those yeah and it's really really interesting that like you get someone like john picard who it's like i want to be a noir detective and like here's this lady who an algorithm has put together that i'm pretty sure i'm going to be attracted to you know like it's weird kind of in that (laughs) nice legs yeah you know oh gosh and then just like it also sets the standard that, like, every Back in Time holodeck episode looks like they borrowed their costumes from one of the theater, like, the community theaters in Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> well, and, and they're didn't totally just to raiding. Them, tell her them. They're, yeah. they're, they're just raiding the, uh, uh, the Paramount lot, basically. Exactly. Like, yeah. what, what can we find? Yeah, the Untouchables exactly. must have been in production at the same time or something like that. Um, so my other thing about this one is that, because obviously he's like, oh, you know, let's all go to see... Dixon Hill. And then he's like, who's that 20th century scholar we have on board? I'm like, why do you even need him on that they ship? Always have one. That's, that's a TOS throwback. Cause they always had yes. like an exact, whatever like a Greek. Yeah. There, I, yeah. I forget which episode it was, but there was like, who's that person who knows everything about like, like the Romans? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever the niche thing they're going into. We have an expert on that. Is that more, <laughs> yeah. who, who mourns for Adonis? Was that, that yeah, one? that's the one where they're like, we need someone who's got like a specialty on like old Greek Roman god history, and there's like, here, I'm a hot lady, let's go. Exactly. <laughs> but like, but but why is a guy like is is he a teacher? Maybe he's teaching the kids. I don't know. But why why do you have a 20th century expert on the ship that's out in space talking to uh, you know lizard people? I feel like if you're on a starship, <laughs> you had multiple majors. That's probably you have true. To, I think. Okay. Yeah. Because well, we don't see him in a uniform. He's only in his um, 
yeah. the holodeck outfit, and then we actually never see him again. So yeah, because he could be there to like analyze cave paintings and have a degree in art history. You know, like it's, it's <laughs> oh, he's an art art history major. That's yeah, where it is. In Liberal this, arts. Like he could be really really good at ancient languages and like minored in like you know lit and thick. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Or, or like, or like, uh, what is it, Demolition Man? Where it's just the, like the one person has the hobby. Yeah. She just really loves everything from like the nineteen. Yeah. Hey, not not everybody goes straight to the to straight to Starfleet Academy. They have to go to the community college first, and they transfer to a nice four year. <laughs> then they go to the academy well, to do their post grad. Oh, it's and out of state. Picard, Picard loves this nineteen forties something too. So somebody else just has a hobby of like I love everything from the twentieth century. It's yeah. kind of like Tom. It's kind of like Tom Paris. It's he like seems Tom to Paris. know an uncanny it's amount about the 20th century. It's also fandom. Like it's you know a specialty, which is kind of rad. And so, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I, I, so, I, I this was a fun episode. I I think some of the holodeck ones get a little wonky for me later on because I'm just like, oh, it's a you know fucking holodeck one again. But I don't know if it's because this is the first one or just I, I like the way it was done. But this is just an enjoyable episode for me. Like it doesn't drag out the whole holodeck thing. I think it's well done. See, I disagree. I think oh, yeah. the act really drags because I hate the detective story. <laughs> oh, you're not a Dixon Hill fan, okay? Yeah. No, like the actual Dixon Hill story is. Yeah. <laughs> well, but he doesn't even play the story. He like there's he doesn't actually play the actual plot of the story. Oh well, like let's discuss that because. Oh okay. He, Damn. Because. Oh. I guess this is the big goodbye, Jean-Luc Picard, after we've had this whole adventure where I've come to terms with the fact that I am a pair of circuits just rubbing together. Well, <laughs> like, but then know. next time he next time he, he boots this up, is that guy going to remember that he's just a computer program? Yeah, exactly. And like, that's if he why saves the settings. They throw <laughs> that line in there and it's very deft in like a, in a cool way in like something I think that you don't always expect from something like a Star Trek, um, especially not a season one TNG Star Trek. Um, <laughs> but there is something really intelligent to be said about the fact that they kind of drop it in there of like, did you change this? Have you changed this whole universe? If you boot this all back up, are they, you know, is this one guy going to run out into the streets while you are not dealing with him and tell everyone what's going on? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, there's so much unanswered and they're just like, nah, <laughs> again, it's will my wife be there? I don't know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I don't know. It's covered enough in one episode though. Like you can't spend the whole time being like, this is how holodecks work in every way, shape and form. Right. And like, <laughs> Well, and that's the beauty of it is that they, they started this simple and they, you know, almost immediately after this, they begin to deal with the ramifications of that and mm-hmm. treating their AI and specifically data, you know, with very, very different intent. Um, because they do, I think that it's really interesting that like this and data lore come next to each other. I think it's like very, yeah, yeah like I, I think that that's on purpose in many ways. Um, just because they are... We get this episode where we get to have fun with robots, and then in the next one, we have to deal with that fun with robots. So that's kind of cool. Robots. Now, Asimov names that come now. It yeah, these these actually are paired pretty well. Uh, this episode and then uh, 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 the next one, uh, just because it does deal with with data, and because you know, in this one he's trying to be human, he's kind of emulating the 1940s. And then you know his his growth, and then we get to data lore, and, and then he's he's kind of mocked for it from from lore. Yeah, 
Well, you get to see his innocence. You get to see his pure and kind of, you know, decadent yeah. innocence in that way. Again, it, it's decadent innocence. I think that that's really the best way to describe how everybody interacts on this holodeck. And I think his own is masked by the joy that everyone is experiencing. Um, and then immediately mm-hmm. that joy is taken away in the next one. So, haha. That's true. Can I just say this too? So this is not just specific to, to this episode, but it's, it's basically every TNG and probably every other one. But the second that someone leaves a station on the bridge, there's some dude who's like ready to fill it right in. Like they just know I'm going to fill a spot because someone left. Like that's, that is like precision ship work there. I was going to say that does seem military esque. Like there's a chain of command. Okay. If you're this, I take over this station and then, but you're right. Is there just a bunch of extra people standing around on the bridge they don't need? Yes. Like, <laughs> That's kind of what, what Worf does in season one because he's not head of security. He's just kind of there to fill in if something happens. Yeah. Oh. He's, he's just kind of, oh, I'll work at this bridge station. Oh, I'll go over to this bridge station. Oh, okay, I'll go on this away team. He doesn't really have a... I imagine it's similar to everybody knows how to drive a car, but nobody necessarily knows how to drive a car in a military situation. That's true. Yeah. Or like, it's like maintaining what needs to be like an open channel or maintaining what needs. I imagine it's like submarine rules. Um, not that I have ever been in the Navy at all. <laughs> <laughs> we have very limited experience here. Like, I don't know either. You live in a giant tube shooting through a giant vacuum that everybody kind of knows how to drive a little bit uh, just in case. Um, or at least like yeah. or enough to while something's turning. I don't know. I obviously am not a science guy. Um. <laughs> Fair point. It would, no, but I think that's true. I think everyone kind of, or at least if, if you're on the bridge, you probably know how to do a little bit of each thing if you yeah. got to fill in or like, you know, yeah. night shift or something. Exactly. Basic training probably covers certain things. Yeah. Or yeah. not basic training, but whatever base training you have for being on that. I imagine because yeah. we're not looking at what Ohura is doing all day when you're bored, you pick up a few things or vice versa. Well, we do know well, from TOS and Gene's interviews that. It, this is essentially like being on a destroyer. Yeah. I always think submarine too, because they're out in space and surrounded by water, surrounded by space, kind of the same thing, but it is like being on a destroyer. So you would imagine that, yeah, if you're going to be on the bridge crew, you have to have base knowledge in just about everything. Yeah. Even if you're not the specialist. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's episodes of TOS where it, like check off or Sulu step away and then, um, Uhura pops right in and takes yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, uh, okay. So they get stuck there. The 20th century guy gets shot and of course he's dying, um, cause the safeties are off. Um, but they solve that. They trick the other guys to going through and they disappear, which happens several times in other stories too. But I also mm-hmm. like too, is that, you know, so, uh, a Picard solves the problem and he goes right to the bridge to talk to these aliens and he does it perfectly. Like he was so stressed about how to say this thing perfectly. And, and, and he does it like right off, off it, and, and, you know, in his mm-hmm. full unit and, and he looks good in, in his outfit too. No, these season one outfits are terrible. All of them. No, Even- his, his, uh, <laughs> his, his Dixon Hill suit. Disagree. It is a thrift store trench coat. <laughs> no, there's only one man who can pull that off, and that is Christopher Lambert. And he is the Highlander. Um, <laughs> Highlander. I don't make the rules, Sean Connery. Oh, did. Mm. Yeah, he just passed. So. Yeah. <sighs> Indeed. Speaking uh, of, of of weird things, in the film Highlander, Sean Connery, a Scotsman who 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 never changes his accent, plays like a Spaniard. 
Hey, the late Sir Sean Connery. Have some damn respect. A whole other episode just about Highlander. So, like, let's we should tap this now. We should clamp. We've we've talked about that too. Hunt for Red October. He's a Russian submarine commander with a Scottish accent. He just—that's what he does. Yeah, you just kind of accept it. His ultimate role is in the Avengers with Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman because he finally Uh, just gets to play a Batman whose whole villainous point is to steal the weather. I I can't think of the most, and he gets to wear a kilt the whole time. I can't think of a more Sean Connery role than that. Let's let's Uh, clarify for the uh, younger people: the Avengers is not the the Avenger Avengers. The Avengers uh, is based (laughs) off of a show about British spies and uh, Uma Thurman. Y'all can yeah, but it was based off a show. Enjoy. uh, yeah, so go go look up the Avengers and and not just the Uma Thurman movie, but it was a show before that, like in the seventies, sixties or seventies. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so go go look that up. Not it's not the Marvel Avengers. Kids these days, you have to educate them on stuff. I correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? What were we talking about? So yeah, as I I enjoyed the the episode. My so okay, this is my weird brain nitpicky thing, and I don't know why my brain does this, and it's very stupid. So there's two entrances to the holodeck, and they go out through the one through his his office, and of course right at the end when they're like, oh, we, you know, we have to open it to save them, and they finally do it, and they walk out, and like no one's there. Like the Jordy and 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 Wesley who were trying to save them aren't there. Like it goes through a completely different corridor. That is not near anybody else, and that that kind of bothered me. Wrong exit. I know, but how big or is the whole thing? Or, like, or if the is, junction for those controls and everything are in a different location, I don't know stupid. my I don't know the holodeck layout that well. But why like, are there like, two I feel like that's a schematics question that just we alone as mere mortals can't answer. <laughs> um, I, don't know. Um, I think well, it's I have the Enterprise continuity. D schematics. I can find oh, it. Oh, you do? Oh my he God! Does. God amongst us, ladies and gentlemen. Good lord. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> no, and I, I think it's just a continuity thing. But I mean, it just—I don't know why that bothered me. I'm making stupid. The other thing, though, that I will note, because you had brought this up before, and I was going to be like, uh, but uh, it didn't feel important at the time. But now is a good time Do to it. come back with this. Um, there is a B storyline in this episode. It's just incredibly uh, stupid. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> yeah. Okay, so which yeah. one is, is the A story and which one's the B story? The A story is the Dixon Hill adventure <laughs> with Picard, and the B story is watching Riker terribly try to talk to these insect people. (laughs) (laughs) Shut down. Because they keep having to remind you that, like, these, like, literally, this is the thing that bugged me about the episode, actually, was this notion of, like, they have, you know, like, he goes on his big crazy adventure, and then everyone's like, we are at a briefing, by the way, to remind you that you have a very important speech to give. And yeah. like, how's it going, buddy? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. But hey, why don't you guys meet me down by the holodeck later? We're going to go on an adventure. And like, no one thought to set a watch. No one thought to be like, oh, hey, I have this really big meeting later. Like a, like a fate of... Check my Outlook calendar. And first contact <laughs> meeting later. Maybe I should set an alarm for when I should get out of my video game. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, said a, a reminder. Yeah. And so, like, I'm actually more annoyed by that, by the fact that, like, Riker's up there, like, really trying, being like, hey, we're, like, waiting on the captain for this weird Zoom call. 
and then being like, fuck you, we're bugs, get the cat out of here. <laughs> you know, like, it's written, and then true. that's immediately when he, like, turns to Data, or not Data, uh, uh, Jordy, and is like, can, can you go get him out of the holodeck? He's, you know, can, can you just, he's, he's there. We know he's there. Can you go get him? <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. But I think, but I, I, well, that's, that was always kind of my big thing with TOS is that mm-hmm. they have these A plot, B plots and, and it can totally work, but I hate how the, it's that ticking clock of like, oh, we're going to crash into the sun, but this other thing's happening and that's completely stupid. And so that's what I, I, I never like. The life or death, like the real life or death situation involving a starship. Was yeah, not him talking to a bug. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So that was, I don't know, but I, this is just a good fun one for me. I like this one. Agreed. Mm-hmm. It is very fun. What's your, both of these, yeah. yeah, what's so, so Melinda, what's your, your wrap up on, on this? What's your, your overall impression of the big goodbye? Considering that. I'm going to get a little more existential with this one. So like one of my biggest problems that I have with season one of TNG, because like, obviously we've gone back and forth a little bit being like, Oh, it's, you know, season one TNG. Um, they do a lot of disservice to the women in this series or in this season, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in this series, but um, they, they do a lot. I mean, obviously the biggest um, kind of like F off is Natasha Yar, which is mm-hmm. really unfortunate, but this is one of the few episodes where, we get to see Bev be an adult woman, um, which is something that we don't get to see for a little while because a lot of her adult womanness is based on her interactions with Picard. Uh, yeah. The same way and that being a mom, like, yeah, the same way that Janeway is like neutered in like the first season of Voyager because the idea was that it's like it's a lady captain, we're not going to give her a love interest, um, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But these these women oftentimes get lassoed by their own male writers. Um, and I think that TNG yeah. is a really, really perfect example of that. And again, it was only going to get worse. It's, you know, you were by the end of this season, Tashiar is dead. Uh, uh, oh, but she, she she wanted to leave. Yeah. Because they don't use her. They literally made a pair of wooden legs to put in the background behind the bridge because some episodes, that's all that's seen of her. And like, she couldn't stand for nine hours at a time. Like oh, they, oh, wow. if she has more than three lines in an episode, it's incredible. Um, but like, yeah, Denise Crosby, they did her fucking raw in this season. And it's a good reason why she left. And then of course the reason why, uh, uh Gates McFadden left is far worse. Um, but you know, she's yeah. gone season after this. And so like in a season of not really getting to do anything with a lot of their female characters beyond just servicing even in a professional way, like even that bit in the beginning with like Bev wiping off the lipstick, like she's mom, she's mm-hmm. mom friend, you know, mm-hmm. she's, she's very much, she's sex mommy, you know, everybody <laughs> likes to look, but she's mommy, you know, um, and so like, whatever, she grows into, she only flowers and becomes a better and better and better sex mommy, but, um, until she has sex with a ghost. We don't talk about Sabusa, or maybe. <laughs> oh, we have time. We have time to. Uh, oh, good lord! But yeah, but like, yeah. Kind of, we'll make sure we'll make sure you're back on when we like get to Sabusa. where we get to see Beverly Crusher having fun, um, because mm-hmm. I can't really point out another episode in this first season where we really get to see that. Um, and then also, obviously, like this is the start of what would become one of the biggest points in Star Trek which is this notion of how do we deal with AI and robotics? 
And how do we deal with this idea of something that, again, we've kind of hurried up to create for fun. Like, the holodeck, right. if you post Westworld, like, it's really weird to go back and look at some of these episodes. Um, which is dope. It kind of is, yeah. Because yeah. at first you're just like, oh, they're just, you know, holograms. No one cares. But then if yeah. you start to, if you dig deep, you're like, well, they're kind of self-aware. Maybe they do know what's going on. By, and... by the end of it, anyone who's been like in a room with the card is absolutely self-aware. And they're terrifying. And then it's, oh, I don't know. Black. Black. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Interesting. No. Yeah, there's a lot to deal with. I mean, especially the growth of. Well, uh, of course, me as a middle-aged male, I don't always fucking know what I'm talking about. Um, but they definitely don't grow the female characters a lot, especially this first season. And yeah, what happens with Gates McFadden uh, a behind the scenes is is a whole fucking thing. Yeah. Um, so wasn't we'll it nice into. to see that Beverly Crusher got her group back, even if she didn't get laid for one episode? <laughs> yeah. Her eye roll belongs in a museum, by the way. Like that moment when Data's like, can I tag along? And she's just like, eh. Uh. <laughs> Uh-huh. They both just freeze. They're like, oh, man. Damn it. <laughs> it is yeah. incredible. You're going to third wheel us here, Data, huh? Yeah. Oh, that eye roll belongs in a museum alongside the way that uh, uh, um, Herzog says parsec. <laughs> yeah. Well, Data would totally just watch though, because he wants to observe, you know, human behavior. Of course, he would I watch. Cannot he would watch for that one way or the other. <laughs> and so, and if I'm if I'm correct here, I noticed when they said the parsec line, they made the same mistake that Star Wars did, which they had to retcon later about parsec being a unit of distance, not of time. They reference it as a unit of time here. I don't remember the exact line. I don't know. I think that we I don't remember the exact line either, but I remember noticing that and I was like, oh, they did the thing. Like, <laughs> think, yeah, it's, you know, when you get a room of nine people all, all together and they're all writing secular episodes and some of them aren't the science guys, it's, it's going to happen. It's more, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, Dave, what's your take? What's your take on this? Is this your, oh. your first time seeing this one? This is my first time seeing this one, yes. Um, and this one and the next one, because the next one answered a lot of my questions from Picard, but we'll get to that when we get to oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this, and I, I like Melinda. I love AI stories. I like stuff about androids. I like robot stuff. I've read most of Isaac Asimov's I Can Quote You the Three Laws. I love that kind of stuff. Time travel and robots. Oh, you guys are bonding. After the whole Wrath of Khan thing, you guys are bonding now. We were always going to bond after Wrath of Khan. This was never going to happen during that film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, so I I really liked this. I'd say like an 8, 8.5, probably, especially in comparison to the other TNGs I've seen. Uh, I know TNG has been getting really good marks because I have to kind of bench that against TOS, and that's not fair. The 60s and the other is made in the 80s. Like, it's just, yeah, you know. it's trying not to, but you can't help it when it's mostly all I've seen. Except yeah. reruns of Voyager and stuff like stuff I've mentioned, those movies and such. That's about all I know. Like it's very, yeah. very fair. Um, so like I said in the next one, I I didn't know who Laura was. You guys mentioned him in the card, and I was like, who? Oh? Yeah. Really cool seeing that too. But yeah, this Heart. one I'm gonna say a solid eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, no one dies. No one in dies. This one. In no. No. Yeah. TNG let me down on that one, but hey. <laughs> yeah well save death is that what that is <laughs> i do our kill tracker well the I man like that kills that keeps the kill tracker gotta keep him in business oh my god 
That's fair. I mean, I feel like they won't kick you off if no one dies, but like, nah. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have a point now. It's just but I like now. being able to do it. <laughs> no. Uh, Philly, what's your? I mean, I, I know you've seen this one. What do you? Yeah, going back is, and watching it again. This is overall a really, especially for a first season episode, it's really strong. Yeah. Um, and this episode one is like an award-winning episode. It won a Peabody. Um, it won an Emmy in this episode, and it was nominated for another Emmy. What did it win the Emmy for? So, for this episode, uh, it won the Emmy for Outstanding Costume Design for a Series. <laughs> no! Yep. I, I knew it. <laughs> I disagree! <laughs> yeah, I know. You can't argue that it won. You're just going to argue with her. I knew Melinda was going to flip when, she, when I said that. that Jessica fucking Fletcher's hat. Like, I couldn't. Yep. They had to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, there, and then the Emmy nomination was for Outstanding Cinematography. That's um, fair. That's very fair. The cinematography in season one of TNG is actually really good. They they do actually what Wrath of Khan does, which is cheat their way around space with lighting, which is really smart. They did it a um, lot darker. Because in later seasons, it's like like the quarters are very bright, like, you know, fluorescent is bright. Yeah, 100%. And then yeah. in the episode, I've got my, my deep dive trivia for you guys in the episode when they're standing at the newsstand and Picard's like, Oh, Joe DiMaggio's uh, hit streak was broken, but or his streak stands at 32 games or whatever he says. And then he says, and then data corrects him and says, Oh, the, the hit streak by Joe DiMaggio was uh, broken and not until 2032. Yeah. 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 Do you know who it was broken by? Same timeline. Who? No, no guess. I. It's it's a it's going to be a deep it's going to be a deep dive. I have no idea. Do it. So in DS9, they play baseball with Buck Bokai. Oh. And that's who breaks That's who broke Dimaggio's hit streak record was Buck Bokai. My heart is so full. I love that. Oh my. Yeah. Well, that that has to be an intentional thing, right? That they uh, reference that? I, would, that they I, pro- I, would, I would assume so. Fictional baseball player in their fictional show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. They actually, they actually predicted the future, Jeff. It's yeah. not fiction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In 2032, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, Buck like Bokai would retire in 2042, the very last World Series that was ever played. Only 300 people attended the game. Because mm. it was World War III after before that. Baseball, and... Before baseball but died out. It was left to lay on other teams. I. Yeah. It's starting to run out. Uh, <laughs> again, baseball's witchcraft. That's a different story. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, there's your deep dive trivia for uh, this episode. Right on. That's that's why we have Phil. So we have, so we have a long David, ass wait to get a payoff on that though. Yeah. We got to get to we got to get to like the end of the first around. season of DS9. Mm. Uh, yeah, this was a fun episode. I I like it. I. I'm definitely appreciating more of season one. It does have some, some gems in there. I'm starting to kind of feel that maybe, you know, going back to the whole, you know, every first season is kind of crap. I'm like, some of these aren't that bad. Maybe it's not as bad as I remember, or maybe I'm just thinking that the bad ones are bad and it kind of overshadows the good ones. I think that for the history of Star Trek, because like Star Trek is really the first American franchise. Like we kind of talked about this a little bit when I was on for Wrap of Con um, in the sense of like, it is sold. It does keep coming back. And every time that it does, fans are always unhappy because it's always so different. And yeah. it has taken us to 2020 to kind of like learn. It's not that it's bad Trek. It's just not Trek for you. 
because a lot of people want to assume that because they love these things so much as children or as, mm -hmm. you know, even as adults, it's like this idea, you have this picture in your head of like what something is. Right. Uh, and again, like the beauty of art is it doesn't belong to you. It belongs in the beauty of franchises is we can give it to somebody else and do something completely different with it and turn it on its head. And it's fine because you have the other thing to go back to. And so like, I think in, very similar to, I always will compare TNG to disco because I, I think it's very apt. Um, the amount of time that was between, you know, from, from this to that, the amount of difference that we were going from, from someone like Kirk to Picard and even the uniforms and even like, it's so drastically different yeah. and kind of with that in mind. And it's so jarring and much like disco kind of like arguably to a lot of people, the pilot's really bad. I love, I love, 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 love DC Fontana. That pilot is bad. Uh, <laughs> can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, Encounter at Farpoint, is that one episode or two? <laughs> Hero one. Yes. This episode is pretty good. <laughs> so, so you're saying that all of Encounter at Farpoint is, is one episode? I am saying that she wrote one episode and then Jean came in and wrote a second episode into it. Like I, it, it's really, I, I'm sorry. Like I, <laughs> no, I'm still not. Okay. Yeah. So, so no. Okay. No, so when you, aired, when you think, when you, th when you think of, when you think of Farpoint, do you think of it as one episode or as two episodes? It's a like, disappointment. <laughs> well, I don't know, is, is there like a part one, part two, or it's just encounter at Farpoint? Oh, I just think of it as encounter at Farpoint, but yes. that's kind of the same way that I think battle of the binary stars is two episodes. And so like, mm. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, so, uh, Melinda is officially on, on my side on this one. You finally I, I have someone on your side. I, do. I say enough. encounter I far point like I is, don't understand is the question, but I'm being manipulated for no, the amusement. When, when we <laughs> had no, to we're, figure we're having out this, how to, when we had to figure on. out how to record and release the episodes, we didn't know whether to make it one episode or two. Oh. And in, Phil in and I thought it was two and Jeff was insistent it was one. Yeah, in production, hey. it's labeled as part one and part two. Uh -huh. But when it was released the first time, it was just one one big pilot episode. One but in production, episode, it's, yeah. it's episode yeah. one, episode two. That's, well, no. That makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, there's like time zero part one, time zero part two, or best of both worlds part one, part two. To me, it's just encountered far point. Like, it's, it's, it's one whole episode. Yeah, I, I think of it as one whole story, I think is probably the best way of putting it, um, even if half of it's a story that I hate. Um, <laughs> fine. So our, uh, our other guest, Harley, says that it's two episodes. That's so fine. She, she's wrong. That's, I, you know what? Here's the thing. She's neither right nor wrong, but she and I will fight about it in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. She is welcome to come back, and, and, and we adore her. But, but so you it can fit us against each other as friends. That's, yes. You know. Ooh, fun. <laughs> yes, it did. Sorry about that, but I did. Drama no, um, on the Nerd Trek podcast. Dun, dun, dun. We talk about Star Trek all the time, but it's mostly just which Spock is our favorite hot Spock, and so. Mm. <laughs> da -da. It's a peck. Um. All right. Let's. Um. Um. Uh, that's it for the big big goodbye. Um. I got nothing else on this one. I don't know. Do you want to promote anything? Are you doing anything? What's What's your social media stuff? Oh, I can be found on the social medias at profoundly gross. That makes sense because that is my last name, gross. So uh, that is Twitter and Instagram uh, at profoundly gross. Yeah. 
I just came out of spooky season, so there's a lot of pictures of my cat. Spooky cat. Uh, awesome. We're done. Um, yeah, that's it for us on the big goodbye. Um, any other deep dive points you guys want to make? Or are we good? We're good. Awesome sauce. Uh, David, do our thing. Alrighty, yeah. Check us out at nerdtrekpodcast.com where we got links to all of our little social medias. You can see our smiling faces on the Meet the Nerds section. And uh, they're nice headshots, so we look nicer than normal. And you can go buy our shit at Cafe Press if you want a plate with our logo on it. You can get one there. Sweet. Uh, and anywhere you're listening to this is a place where pods are casted. And you can go there and give us a five-star rating and review. Or, hell, give us a one-star rating and review. Just please give us a review. Uh, it's really Don't all we say ask. that. <laughs> if that's how you really <laughs> Son feel. Son of a bitch. That's how we... <laughs> damn it. God damn it. It, it. it was probably David who gave us the one-star. Fuck you. It no, I would have written something. Me all along. Yeah, Sorry, boys. Uh... It was Melinda. Anywho, and we're on Amazon, so you can tell your Alexa to play the Nerd Trek podcast, and it will do so. Fantastic. Um, well, thank Science. you, Melinda, for joining us. Hey, uh, hi. You guys mm-hmm. I know you're, and you're you're coming back for for the next one, right? I am. However, I wonder if you guys will want me back afterwards because I have so many theories on the next one. Ooh. I, I went real deep on the next one. I went real deep. Nice. Ooh, I'm excited to go deep. Um, well, you're coming back in like five minutes because because we record these these back to back. I so. know. I'm yep. not sure if I'm allowed to say that. Well, y'all, I'm breaking, breaking down the, the fourth, fourth wall, wall baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's it for us. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Peace.